Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh, man. That's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry. I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Is This Real Life, a Bravo podcast that relates the quirkiest aspects of reality TV to our own lives. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. I hope you're doing well after this absolutely crazy roller coaster of a week. Um, and recording on Saturday night, uh, November 7th, I haven't been able to record all day because my neighborhood is so <laughs> loud with cheers and honking. And there is a go-go band on the corner that has been playing a concert for the last four or five hours. It is just something else here in D.C., and I wouldn't be surprised if Candace just showed up to sing some of her singles <laughs> there. I should go outside and, and check if it was her. But in all seriousness, I uh, just finished watching Joe and Kamala give their first speeches as president and vice president-elect. And to see Kamala come out in that white suit with Mary J. Blige playing was like... I mean, I have not felt anything like that in so long. And I'm not going to, you know, spend this whole podcast talking about politics. Um, you guys know that is something that I care about and I work in and everything. But um, I did want to mention, you know, watching tonight and seeing Joe Biden's family on stage and then seeing Hunter Biden come out and the embrace that Joe gave to Hunter. And, you know, he came out with his wife and his baby and I just feel like there's so many people in this country and around the world that have a loved one that struggles with substance abuse. And a lot of people struggle themselves. So to be able to see Hunter and Joe embrace and to see the whole family standing by him with this, I just thought was a really heartwarming thing. And it's interesting. I mean, I know just to have parallels with what's going on on Bravo seems absolutely ridiculous. But, you know, I've been thinking a lot um, reflecting on this week's Real Housewives of Orange County, where Bronwyn has kind of a meltdown. Um, you know, she's 30 days sober, and she's having she's really, really struggling. And, you know, she's not behaving her best, right? 
I mean, it's also housewives, so they're never behaving their best. But she is having a really rough time. And it was tough to see the other women's callousness towards what she was telling them, which is, I am newly sober, I'm at a party with alcohol, and I am having a really tough time with it. And instead, they just only focused on the drama and the kind of like day-to-day frustrations that they had with her. And to see Kelly Todd joke and have a, you know, glass of tequila and kind of put it in her face and say, come on, you've never been a quitter. It's like, I don't know, it just blows my mind. And I wish that the other women had a little bit more grace and compassion for Bronwyn. I know she's behaving poorly. I know she's being really obnoxious and elitist, um, talking about Gina's, you know, small house and all of that. But I just wish that they, I know these are housewives, but I just, just wish they had a little bit more grace and compassion for Bronwyn. This week on the podcast, uh, Michelle Konstantinovsky joins me, and she is also a Russian Jew. So we spent the first little bit of the podcast talking about kind of similar experiences that we've had having parents that immigrated from the former Soviet Union around the same time. And I wanted to share with you guys a quick story about my dad um, that also kind of relates to the idea of grace and compassion that I was just talking about, and is also slightly humorous. So I feel like we could all use a little levity after this crazy week that we've been through. Um, but the story is that my dad, uh, in 1979, when his family planned to leave, uh, the USSR, he was a member of the Young Communist League, the Young Communist Party. Um, anyone that was, you know, living in the Soviet Union that wanted to have a job had to be a member of the party. And when, the kind of head of the Young Communist Party in his area found out that his family had tried to leave and put in papers to try and leave the country. They um, held a trial for my dad to figure out whether or not he was loyal to the USSR or the Zionist regime. Um, he had <laughs> never been to Israel, uh, but he was Jewish. And, you know, again, you know, these ideas of Jews and dual loyalty. You can't apparently be loyal to your own country if you're Jewish. So um, anyway, this this trial was uh, really obnoxious and difficult. And had my dad and his family not been allowed to leave, my dad would have potentially, I don't know, could have gotten killed, um, never been able to have a job again. He would, you know, been kicked out of the party. Anyways, the man who held the kind of proceeded over this trial was this guy named Sasha, who my dad was friendly with up until this point. And anyway, my dad's family gets out of of Russia. My dad moves to the United States. About 12, maybe 10, 12 years ago, my dad gets a message on LinkedIn from Sasha. And it's written all in Russian. And my dad is like, oh, my God, I need to go buy a Russian keyboard because I need to communicate with this man. And the LinkedIn message was like, Ilya, is that you? It's Sasha. I have been wondering about your fate for the last, you know, however many decades, three decades at that point. And I am so sorry about the role that I played um, before you left the country. And I just wanted to see how you were doing and apologize. And 
my dad is like, wow, this is amazing that I, you know, I really liked the guy before all that crap went down between us. So my dad gets this Russian keyboard and they start corresponding and they correspond for like maybe seven years. And, you know, my dad says, if you ever able to get to the United States, I would love to be able to show you around. And three years ago, I was able to travel to Russia for work. It was... (laughs) crazy situation. I went to a like ministerial conference put on by the World Health Organization in Moscow on tuberculosis. Anyway, so my dad writes to Sasha and is like, my daughter is coming to Moscow. And Sasha's like, well, then I must meet her and show her around. So I've never met this guy. And the only thing I know about him is that he basically tried to have my dad killed. <laughs> and so I show up in Moscow, we like meet um, in the Red Square, and he's gonna <laughs> take me on a tour of Moscow. And he brings along his friend Sergei, uh, who he says speaks English, but does not actually speak English. Neither of them really speak English. And I don't speak Russian because my dad refused to teach me and my brother the language of communism. So we meet in the Red Square, and he apologizes in this, you know, broken English. (laughs) He's like, I apologize for trying to kill your father. (laughs) It's like, that's how the day started. So him and Sergey bring me to this big red bus. And it's one of those buses. It's like a double decker tourist bus. And they, you know, get me headphones, and then you can dial it to a different number. It has a different language. So I'm actually able to hear in English. And they point and they, um, you know, give me thumbs up signs. And we all kind of act out things because we can't speak each other's language. And that evening, we end up going out for dinner and having some vodka. And after that, things seem to make a little bit more sense between us. But it was this wild experience of having actually going to meet this man. And I remember when I got back from Russia, asking my dad, like, how did you forgive this this man that did this horrible thing to you that really turned on you? It could have turned out so badly. My dad's like, but I got out. And, and he didn't. And he stuck there. And just the amount of, I think, grace and compassion that my dad had for Sasha and his family and kind of what the pressures he was going through at the time, you know, when my dad left, you know, really kind of warmed my heart and made me realize that forgiveness is such an important feature and allowing grace to others is just such an important thing. It's also just a hilarious story because when my dad was trying to tell um, his his new wife this story, we were both telling her, and she's like, wait, this guy tried to have you killed, and then you had Mandy go meet him in Moscow? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> anyway, wild stories from Ilya Slutsker. Okay, hope you guys enjoy this week's podcast. Michelle and I chat all things Bravo. We don't do any recaps. Um, We just kind of talk through everything that's kind of going on in our lives, in the country. We chat a bit about how housewives portray, you know, health, wellness, and body image. Those are things that Michelle writes about a lot. Um, We talk a little bit about Potomac, which is a franchise that Michelle has just taken on. We 
chat about whether or not she's going to watch Salt Lake City, which I cannot wait for this coming week. And we talk a bit about Southern Charm also. So I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Uh, keep in mind, we did record this before um, the announcement was made about the election. So in the beginning, I'm sure you can hear a little bit of the anxiety in her voices. It was just, you know, a long week for everyone. So hope you guys enjoy the show. As always, uh, feel free to follow me on social media. I love hearing from you. It's at ITRL underscore podcast. That stands for Is This Real Life underscore podcast. And if you like the show, love if you would go on Apple Podcasts and give me a five-star review and leave a nice note. If you enjoy it, it always makes me smile. I really, really like hearing from all of you. Okay, it's been quite a week, but without further ado, here is my chat with Michelle Konstantinovsky. Hi, everyone. I am here with Michelle Konstantinovsky, who is an amazing writer. She actually wrote the article in Thrillist, how Bravo fans are finding comfort and community through their favorite TV shows. And... I'm just so excited to talk about Bravo and finding comfort with her because it's been it's been a rough week. How are you hanging in? I would love some comfort. Oh my god, comfort sounds great. Um, thank you so much for the wonderful intro. That's so kind. Um, yeah, comfort would be nice right about now. It would. I'm telling you, on <laughs> Tuesday night when it became clear that we weren't going to know a winner, I was like, right. you know what? I need to step back. I need to turn off the TV. Yeah. And I'm going to put on season one, Beverly Hills. Oh, to, to, to think of like a more like warm blanket of nostalgia and just like sparkly sugar cookie. Like that sounds so good. It was so nice. Oh. I, and I had my gravity blanket on. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I wish I had thought of this plan. Like rocking I... back and forth ever after having taken two clonopin. <laughs> Bottle of wine nearby, like all empty. Um, yeah, I kind of wish I had thought to do that because I I fell asleep. Uh, and my boyfriend was very invested in watching. And then um, he's like, I just need to hear Trump talk. I just need to hear what he has to say. I just, and it was like, 2 a.m. East Coast. We're on the West Coast, so it wasn't as insane. But I was like, I can't, I can't do this. And the last thing I want to do is listen to that guy. So I like went to bed, but I could hear the TV, and I'm like, <laughs> I take two Zquil or whatever. I like, yeah. try to go to bed, <laughs> and all I hear is like the beginnings of of Trump talking. And I was like, this is uh, what nightmares are made of. I wish I had thought to like go season one anything. That sounds I just so nice. Needed a break. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Kyle's old nose. It sounds great. You know, I haven't seen season one. I started watching on season four. And for whatever reason, with Beverly Hills, I never went back the way I did Uh with New York and Atlanta. Sure. So I am I'm excited to be on this journey. Oh, yeah. You you got a journey. Yeah, yeah. That was actually Beverly Hills was the only one that I watched from beginning to present, like chronologically. And then I felt so out of the loop because I had never seen New York. And then two years ago, I did a full New York beginning to present binge. And it was the best decision I've ever made in my life. Um, but to date, the, and then I just got into Potomac because I'm the last person on earth. But those are the only three. So I, I feel like I still have four, like looking forward, I have Atlanta, 
Jersey, if I ever want to go there, OC, like I'm, I feel like I'm set for life for now. You yeah, know, there are so many franchises. <laughs> it's, oh, it's so, so it's nice. Such a gift. Um, but I did want to <laughs> chat. So your last name, Konstantinovsky, yes. is yes. Russian Jewish. And I was sure like, is. I'm Russian <laughs> Jewish too. And we were just chatting before the started about like the difference between American Jews and Russian Jews. <laughs> <laughs> And like I was saying, there's no reason anyone would know there's a difference unless they were one of those or knew one of those. And they're so different. They're so different. And it's so funny. So your parents came over in 1979. Yeah. So they immigrated in 79. My sister was born there and she was five when they came over and they um, there was a giant wave. So there was like the gates were like open at that right. time to let uh, people out as refugees, basically, as far as I understand it. And they uh, had like a six month stopover in Rome or Maybe not six months. I, I may get, be getting that wrong. But they had like this like luxurious little stopover in Rome. Where, and my mom was like so mad that my sister doesn't remember living like near the Vatican. My sister's like, I was five. <laughs> I remember. Um, and then they landed in America in the glory of Cleveland, Ohio. And they stayed in Cleveland for like a year. And then they came to San Francisco. Okay. Yeah. It's so interesting. So my dad came in 79 and he spent three months in Italy. And then went to the glory that is Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Oh, we we know Russian Jews that ended up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin as well. Hot spot. Hot spot. He met my mom at the Jewish Community Center. Amazing. Super sexy. (laughs) The sexiest place on earth. And they got married and the rest of his family moved to New York City. Okay. Yeah, we have family in New York too. Have you ever been to Brighton Beach? Yes, that's where oh I used God. to hang out with my Zadie, um, uh, the one who passed this uh, summer. We used oh, to go wow. to Brighton Beach, and he really liked to drink. And <laughs> sure, sure he did. <laughs> my dad sure did. does not and really at all. Yeah, he's Must really a lot of a lot of crap for that from he, other Russians. He was forced to. He said in college, basically, really? there was this. To be part of, I don't know, you had to like be a member of the Young Communist League to do anything. And they would grade you on stuff. And they said something about how he wasn't social enough. And he's like... Which many didn't drink enough. (laughs) Yes. He's like, I'm social. I'm friends with everyone. And so then he spent like a semester just being pissed drunk all the time, passed out. And then he got whatever marks he needed in order to go further and <laughs> I fully believe it it is like I hate that that stereotype holds truth but like it's true my dad drinks cognac not so much vodka so I feel like I take pride in that like ha you all think like Russians are all vodka drinkers and my dad bucks the trend <laughs> but like he likes a shot like he's not gonna lie um yeah and like I, I try to explain to people like when you go to the Russian restaurant there are like ginormous bottles of vodka on the table like before there's food like there's like appetizers and vodka and like my poor cousin like made the mistake like he's I forget how old he was but we sat down he thought it was water because it was like a giant carafe like why would this be full of like clear you know alcohol (laughs) he took a sip and it didn't go well (laughs) oh my god and they like their drink do they like to do toasts all the time they love a toast Russian Jews love a toast (laughs) uh really just like just like poetic and uh lengthy and I understand about like 30 to 40 percent of it and then the rest I'm like so lost um 
And I start looking at my phone. Yeah. My Zadie <laughs> used to tell, he called them anecdotes. They were just sure. these like inappropriate jokes, basically. Of yes. And 100%. they were so bad. And my dad it, would have to translate, but he yeah. didn't like to use the bad words. Sure. And so he wouldn't fully translate. And then it would the joke wouldn't land. And then my Zadie like, would get mad. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it, there's so much even if he did translate it all the way like there's so much that doesn't translate like I guess so my family's from Odessa in Ukraine and I guess there's like a very specific type of, of like Odessa humor and sometimes I'll get it like sometimes they'll say something to me in Russian and it'll make sense and sometimes they'll try to translate it and when they try to translate it it's like this holds zero meaning in English and I can't <laughs> I can't tell you why like the words are right, but it just like something is not there. Um, yeah, there's a lot that gets lost. A lot of the jokes were like sexual in nature or sure. making fun of anti-Semitism as like, right. I think, a way to process it. I'll never uh-huh. forget this one joke my grandpa mm-hmm. told. We went to Marivana. We would go all the time in Manhattan. Yeah. You know, because they loved this, like, little Russian old man who, you know, was so nice and everything. So he told us this anecdote, and he said there were these two men who were friends, and they're Jewish, and Mm -hmm. they wanted to get a um, religion change. So kind of like a sex change, like an operation. Sure, sure. But they could only afford to have it for one of them. So one of them goes into the, you know, operating room and gets this religion change, you know, surgery performed uh-huh. and comes out and his friend is like, how was it? And he looks at his friend and goes, shut up, you fucking Jew. Wow. <laughs> and I was oh my like, God. this oh my is God. awful. The second, the second we get off the phone, I'm calling my mom and telling her that because I feel like she's gonna die like that's like I feel like that is the epitome of a Jewish joke it's, that's good it's awful that's good. my that is yeah that's something my grandparents would have been into exactly my sister-in-law you know who's very very close with my Zadie and she's Lutheran grew up in Minneapolis and she just looks oh at god. him like oh my god right eyes like she oh my god are we joking pale. About this? oh my god yeah I think <laughs> it's so dark like there's so much darkness and I think you're right like I think it must be I'm sure there's been like many many theses written about like Jewish humor and what it you know what it's built on and what it's rooted in but I think you're right I think it has to be a form of processing and just like the amount of just like unfathomable trauma that has happened um like there's no other way to like move on with your life if you like think about it for even a second so I think that's probably where that comes from of just like we have to laugh about it yeah um but that's good I'm I'm gonna bring that to to the family I feel like they'll appreciate I feel like my dad tells them sometimes but he doesn't even mean for them to be jokes like it's almost like (laughs) things that actually happened so he'll say he would say, like, I remember when we got a television and everyone, because they lived in an apartment with other families. Right. And they right, would right. sit around and watch the television. And he said the ballet would be on all the time. But then when the ballet ended, there would be the news and they would talk about this like bountiful harvest and how it's the best potato harvest they've ever had. And he's like, we waited in three, you know, hour lines for like moldy potatoes. How is right. this is clearly not the best harvest? Huh. You know? And then he was like, there were only two channels. And we're like, well, what was on 
that was channel one. What, what was on channel two? And he was like, oh, it was some guy being like, hey, have you checked out channel one? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, but um, he's like, no, I'm serious. And he's like, no, it <laughs> kind of was like that. <laughs> That was my childhood. I'm for real. Oh my God. It like almost, almost makes you appreciate the time we're in now. Uh, like almost, um, just almost. because that's legit what it was like for them. And I, it's funny because you and I were talking before we started recording of like how our families like aren't, weren't necessarily always like super stoked to like disclose all the details of their time yeah. there. And like, I think that was definitely my experience of like my sister and I would like my sister more. So she's really good about like wanting to like archive our family history and like photos and stories and she would just like dig for details and it was like pulling teeth sometimes because it was a lot of just like joking around about like what it was like and my my parents always said that like and what I probably I don't think I would have known this had it not been for them like sharing it was that after the war it was like it's not like anti-semitism went away it was like my mom says like it almost became worse in a way because instead of people being able to be like vocal about it then it kind of went like underground and then it would just kind of like it was just embedded in everything and it was just kind of like understood that everyone still hated Jews but it was like in this kind of like more covert way um which I think is like horrifying but I probably wouldn't have realized that or known that were it not for you know that detail I know. I was saying that my dad remarried this summer and his new wife is like very interested in hearing about his childhood and he yeah. just wasn't ready to talk about it when we were younger. He just told yeah. us to be so thankful for the country that we were born in. Mm-hmm. Um and you know now kind of hearing these stories it's shocking. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just so no, shocking. Totally. It you is know? and it's like in some ways it was like that was kind of comforting in 2016 when this all happened um, in that my, my parents were like, you know, we've seen a lot, like yeah. we're going to be okay. Like this is not good, but like they had seen a lot of shit. And so, right. and our grandparents had seen a lot of shit. So it's like, okay. Like that kind of put things into perspective in a way, like this isn't good, but you know um, we will probably survive it. Although I, I cannot, I still like every day have a moment where I'm like, I can't believe we got this far into the, into the presidency, into the term where like, and then a global pandemic hit. Like, wow. Like you couldn't have written that. No one could have scripted that. I know. I know a lot of like Russians or like Soviet refugees and stuff tend to be more politically conservative. And my dad mm-hmm. falls into that category of being mm. like terrified of socialism. Oh, interesting. So he has a very different read on everything. I mean, yeah. he knows Trump is crazy, but right. he's kind of like those other people on the other side are really crazy too. Interesting. <laughs> so yeah. That's it's been fascinating. It's so funny because so my sister is 10 years older than me and so her like the the kids she grew up with like most of them were also born in Russia and like they're just they're all American they've been here like she came here when she was five like they're all American but they it in my personal view of it they seem to tend toward like kind of the older school mentality and a lot mm-hmm. of them are super Trump supporters and I personally am not friends with any like I didn't grow up with people who are like that now and I I'm trying to be very respectful of everyone's views but it was it's she is in a lot like she sees a lot on Facebook that I don't see um Mm -hmm. and it's a lot coming from the Russian community and like she gets like invited to groups that are like 
pro-Trump groups and they're all from like Russian Jews. And it's, it's hard for me to explain that to myself, first of all, but also to people who ask me because they're like, wait, your family, they came as like religious refugees. refugees. So like, how yeah. are they? I don't know. Like they escaped like religious persecution and they came right. to this country as like, so how could they support someone like, and I'm like, I don't know how to answer you. Like I, I, I literally don't. I know. But, I know. Yeah. My parents are very, very progressive and I'm very thankful every day. Um, my dad is like a super history buff, like very politically, like I think it happened after he retired, he became super super interested in American history in particular, which is funny because everyone else is like glamorizes like Russian history and he's like Mm -hmm. over it. He wants to know about like U.S. (laughs) stuff. So he's like very into politics. He's very into learning about how the system works. And and so he and my mom are just like they are they've lost friends. Like it's hard. Like it's this. Yeah, they they tend to before COVID happened, they're like, we're going to limit the amount of dinner parties we have (laughs) because we can't have these like conversation right it's It's not good for our health my mom was an american jew and her family was like we're always democrats like it doesn't matter who is running yeah and so my dad just assumed all jews were democrats like he thinks he's the only republican jew and i think it's because my mom chose all their friends (laughs) (laughs) and he kept them when she died so he's like doesn't really have any friends he would like share his views I mean, maybe this is good for him to hear the other side. Um, although if he like ever opened Facebook at all, he would probably get like, he'd probably see he is far from alone. Yeah, he doesn't understand how Facebook works. So he so just good stays off of it. So he says it's yeah. confusing and makes no sense. It doesn't. I wish I didn't know how Facebook works. Honestly, I regret having it open at all ever. It, oh, it reminds man. me of people's birthdays, which is great. Yes. It's like that is it's my like most over like complicated calendar that I have, but it works for that really well. I know. Well, we've all so my dad is it was able to go to bed on election night at 9 p.m. because that's what he did four years ago. And he's like, whatever happens, happens. I don't have Good control over it. And I'm like, that's how smart. is this like even we're just so different so I was trying to find my comfort in housewives and was wondering sort of like you wrote this article about people finding comfort and community like what did you learn through like the journey of exploration of Bravo podcasting and kind of the whole space and community yeah, well, first of all, this was like the most selfish pursuit of all time, because it was basically just like, <laughs> I love Bravo. I love the housewives. I love all this stuff. And I'm finding so our friend Ryan Bailey, who yes. like you were on his podcast, and I had the great honor of being on his podcast, like his, like, he has gotten me through so much of this year, like his episodes are five hours long. He is hilarious. And he just like he breaks down, analyzes, talks to everyone about these shows that I'm already watching and so I just felt very like safe within this bubble of like okay no matter what is happening in the world like this is a contained safe space (laughs) and I just was like so fascinated because then through his podcast I heard you on his podcast and I I've I've heard so many other people who I don't think I would have discovered on my own and it's opened up this whole other world and people from all different backgrounds, all different, whatever. And everyone is kind of like speaking the same language. And it was just super fascinating to me. And 
I just, I had this idea. I don't think it's anything new that like, you know, comfort viewing is a thing. Like, you know, people, there's, there was another article I think came out in Vulture about like people are like tuning into the Babysitter's Club reboot in like record numbers or something because it's like people are craving, like people rewatch The Office five billion times because like they like to know predictable, comforting events are <laughs> going to be transpiring in 30 minutes. Um, but I kind of was interested in just examining that phenomenon through the lens of like Bravo and Bravo podcasters and content creators specifically because it's it's this weird microcosm but it's I think it's way bigger than people realize also and um my good friend Alyssa who's a therapist in San Diego she's always like she's a major pop culture like expert we bonded over Britney Spears like from day one we have we sometimes we won't we'll go weeks without talking and then she'll send me like one text like Britney's Instagram and I'm like girl I know (laughs) and that's it like that's all she has to say um so this has been like our language for a long time and I quoted her in that story and she has so much to say and she's so brilliant about looking at pop culture in like a therapeutic way and Mm -hmm. she said like the Vulture article I full transparency I had pitched them um this idea and they were like well we already did this story um, about comfort viewing and and Alyssa I told Alyssa that and she's like you know but it's not just the comfort aspect like yes that's a part of it but it's also like we're watching real relationships and real events and real communication strategies and real like you can say what you want about it being overproduced but the fact that like we're getting an eye into like these aren't actors this isn't traditional like you know, stage play or like, you know, film acting. So we're seeing something, there's some element of reality in it. And when you follow a franchise like New York, that's been on for, I don't even know how many years, but like, you know, those people, you become invested. And even in the, like, even if you're not a longtime follower, I think like, you know, I, all the time, my boyfriend will come in when I'm watching Potomac and he'll like, stop. And he'll just like, he'll start watching and you can't help but kind of get sucked in because it's like there's a real human connection and the emotions are real. And I don't know. I just think there's a lot to be said like about what we can learn about ourselves through that. Totally. Yeah. So I think it's so interesting also, even just with like this election to view it through the eyes of Bravo and like the memes that were happening the last few days, you know, it's it's so funny. It's like we all have this collective humor that other people just don't get. Right. Right. And so it's something that brought me so much joy. You know, I don't even remember. I should have made a list of all the memes that I've seen, like related to the election. Incredible. (laughs) Incredible. Amazing. These content creators really give us something to truly like (laughs) process what's happening with. Yeah. You know, the creativity blows my mind. And it's like it seems like it happened like it. Like I know Ryan works with Maritza and she's like so talented like she churns stuff out where it's like he will post things and I'm like of course of course that makes sense of course Aviva's uh, leg makes sense in relation to <laughs> whatever Trump just said sure it does that's totally dead on um yeah it's it is funny where it's like you can make a reference like Aviva's leg and you laugh but it's like you talk you say that in front of anyone who doesn't watch these shows and they're like what the hell and you know I think subcultures are just fascinating in general and everyone is a part of one or another. Like, you know, I'm, I'm into yoga and I could speak to a yoga person that would have no meaning to, to anyone else. But when it's through like this 
universe. And it was so, because I listened to the episode where our friend Jody talks about her experience at BravoCon. And yes. I thought that was incredible because I think a lot of people were like, it was the first one. And they were like, I don't know how this is going to go. This could be a fire fest. You know, like, I think that was kind of the the popular uh, opinion about it. And then it, it sounds like it came off so lovely and like everyone was just like so kind and and like happy to be in the presence of other people who got it um yeah and I just think that's so cool like I think that's so and I think there's so much to be said about Bravo specifically but pop culture more generally I get very upset my my feathers get ruffled when people write it off as like fluffy because yeah of course it's fluff like of course like of course I'm not watching you know this isn't like you know I'm not watching like a seminar on quantum physics this is not what I'm here for like this is not what we're we're all like signing up for but I think there's so much beyond that initial layer of like oh this is stupid this is so you know and I just think it's like an easy lazy thing to say is like oh that stuff is so stupid I don't okay but like have you ever thought about like what's beneath all of like like what we're talking about just like what goes on underneath the very like superficial layer of like yeah this is fluff like yeah human interactions human psychology totally (laughs) and I feel like I'm learning so much Mm -hmm. especially this year watching through the eyes of like us coming to a reckoning on all of the racial inequity in our country and seeing you know, discussions about colorism on, you know, Real Housewives of Potomac or, you know, Bronwyn is, you know, getting sober before Mm. our eyes on the OC. And she Mm. is, you know, she says now, yeah, I should have been in treatment, but I did it on my own and it wasn't pretty. And you get to see all of it. And then you get to see people's reaction who don't know a whole lot about alcoholism, you know, being like, so you can't just have a drink? right no I mean (laughs) I mean I think that like this is an opportunity right like these shows which also like can get complicated because then at what point do producers have an obligation to you know like Thomas Ravenel was on the first episode of Southern Charm like Mm -hmm. did they have should they have had an obligation or a responsibility to not have him on there because he's a monster so it's interesting because there's all these issues that I feel like they have a unique opportunity to discuss at length and to explore and to analyze and dissect through these, you know, quote unquote characters um, and to open people's eyes to all these things that are happening in our real life. Um, So, yeah, I just think it's fascinating. And I just get I get very, like, bothered when people write it off because that's so simplistic because, like, this is our opportunity to learn about people we would never interact with or meet through any other medium like I just think it's so cool and it doesn't mean you're like stupid or shallow mm. to watch these oh, shows the smartest people I know I like you so. just told me you had a degree in epidemiology like, this is not, <laughs> like, like I'm like your brain is incredible um no it's yeah just, no some of the you know, most brilliant people I know nerds watch bravo stuff. too okay that's percent hundred percent come on but yeah. it's so interesting also to see the different franchises, you know, and how so at BravoCon, it sounded like 
depending on whatever panel you walked into, you felt a different vibe. Like watching a panel on the OC, it said it felt like everyone had just come from a bottomless mimosa brunch, you know, (laughs) and like it was just like a bunch of like drunk white women. And then, you know, going to like an Atlanta one, people were like, it just felt like home. People are like hooting and hollering, having conversations while everything is going on. So... I wanted to get your thoughts since you've written a lot about you know health, wellness, and body image, and yeah. how you think the different franchises kind of portray those, especially Beverly Hills, which seems to kind of yeah. discuss more openly eating disorders and body image. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean. So I'm gonna I'm gonna think out loud as we're talking because this is something like I haven't. I honestly haven't thought too much about obviously in like my casual personal viewing it it stirs up things but I haven't really processed how to talk about it you know with other people and so my background is I had an eating I've had an eating disorder most of my life it's really inspired a lot of my career I've written quite a bit about eating disorders specifically and just body image and Mm -hmm. health and wellness in general and it's something I'm extremely passionate about and it it is always kind of like my like my like antennas go up whenever I hear a mention of an eating disorder on TV and especially when it's on a reality show um, because I'm always just kind of like perked up and attuned to how they're going to represent it. Um, Beverly Hills has been it's been an interesting experience to watch how Lisa talks to her daughter about it um, and how she talks to the other women about how she talks to her daughter about it. Um, I think there is, I think, I think there's something to be said for, you know, they're bringing light to the topic, mm-hmm. which I think is always a good thing. Um, I've also written a lot about how eating disorders are consistently, historically been represented through young, thin white women. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is not accurate. Uh, right. They affect everyone. Okay. Um it's not that it doesn't affect those people. It, as far as we know, it predominantly does, but that's because that's what the research has been focused on. Um, and I think the more we focus on that in the media, the more it kind of discredits the reality that men get eating disorders, mm-hmm. black women getting eating disorders, Asian women, like trans people, like and this is not exclusively for this one you know, subset. Um, and I just worry sometimes seeing things like, you know, I'm I'm so glad they're talking about it. But at the same time, I'm like, this is yet another account of like a young, privileged, thin, white, rich girl. Um, and also, like, sometimes I, I, I worry that they not not necessarily this scenario specifically, but in reality, they'll say like, oh, she had an eating disorder. Oh, but now she's good. She's fine. She's better. Right. And it's like. There's not, and I understand you can't, you know, that can't be that person's like shtick for the rest of the show, but there, it's the same with addiction. Like I think their mental health issues, substance use issues, these are complicated. These are not like, can't be confined to like a clean, neat 60 minute episode. Um, so I just think it's tricky. Um, I think it's really tricky. And on the body image front, I think, you know, Beverly Hills has been confusing. I think it can be, I think there's some, it's weird. I think there's a lot of um, 
discrepancies and a lot of conflict in the messaging versus the actions sometimes. Like, I think they're saying certain things and showing, making a big show of how they eat. And I don't know if that's sometimes to me, I just, I don't know if it's because I'm like very focused in on it and like very attuned to it. But sometimes I'm like, okay, is this all for the cameras? Is this like, you live in Beverly Hills, you know, there's, you're in the entertainment industry. Can you be a little bit more honest about the pressures you encounter? Like there's never a lot of talk about that. Um, so yeah, I think to short answer, I think I'm grateful that these issues are getting addressed in some way. Um, I think it's not as simple as they would like it to be mm -hmm. <laughs> not as like TV watchable as, as a producer would hope, you know, I think these are tough tough issues. Yeah. I really resonated with what you said about like, it doesn't just go away because, yeah. you know, they kind of talked about how, okay, so last season, Amelia Gray had an eating disorder. <laughs> right. This season, she's better. You know, Wouldn't and it's that be just... cool? I would love <laughs> if I had had that one season of my life and then, you know, I was living in my chic $50,000 apartment the next, the next season. Um, yeah. You know, it is it is weird. They like compart compartmentalize issues like that. Like, okay, like we've dealt with that and now we're moving on. Whereas they spent an entire season on Lucy, Goosey, Apple Juicy or whatever. And it's like, really? You spent like 12 episodes on that, but you can't spend more than one on her eating disorder. Um, so yeah, I think it's a little, it's a little odd. I think they're not sure how to handle issues like that. And I think they can sometimes pat themselves on the back for being like, see, we talked about this. Um, and I, I'm still like, I'm, I'm only partway through my Potomac journey. So I'm interested to see how race discussions continue to progress. And um, Southern Charm is apparently going to face a lot of that head on. I'm really actually pretty excited to, to see how they handle it. Because I think they have an opportunity to do a lot of work. Um, and I was listening, Ryan had on uh, Kiki today. Have you, she's a talk of shame on TikTok. She oh, does like, yeah, she's yeah. so great. He's had her on a couple of times and I love her. And they did like a Southern Charm recap. And she said, she was like, okay, like strike one. You had Thomas in the first episode of the season within the first like commercial, like for the first commercial break, that's strike one. Like you have so many chances to like, Face, like all the gross stuff Shep has done and all the gross stuff Catherine has done like this is your chance to talk about it in a responsible way are you going to do that or are you going to just kind of like you know skirt around the issues and pat yourself on the back because you showed it for five seconds and also so. I mean getting into Southern Charm I'd be interested to see how they are are processing what like are they processing what's going yeah. on in the country right. are they realizing there's all of us have stuff in our past, our history, things we were told as children that later we find out are untrue or mm -hmm. are said in a way that isn't necessarily telling um, all the whole picture, you know? Right, right. And I have a good friend from, you know, Georgia, and she's just like, until she really spent time in D.C., just realized how much like white supremacy and slavery and all this like are part of her family. And she mm -hmm. never even thought about it until, no. you know, in more recent years. I mean, before yeah. this year, but, you know, just talking about how these, there are these baskets that her mom collected and how they, you know, um, they're worth a lot of money because people don't make them anymore. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, they collect them. They're only, they stopped making them in about 1860. <laughs> you know, and it, and it was like, uh, you know, one of my other friends looked at her and said, were they made by slaves? Yeah. And she, like, it, it hadn't dawned on her. And she's oh, like, well, shit. the people who made them, they passed it. They, like, taught each other how to make them. And then it just stopped. It's <laughs> like, oh, my God. You know, oh. and so for her, it's, like, been such an awakening. Yeah. You know? Over these last few years, if you're brought up in, you know, a certain area where everyone around you is white, everyone around you is Southern, you're all daughters of the American Revolution, you know, that whole background, and then you leave, and you're like, you know, calling something the rebel flag. It's like, no, that's the Confederate flag. Oh, my God. You know, and that's, it's a huge um, part of our country. And so the way I've been watching, like, Southern Charm is almost like... For me, it, I don't know anyone. I mean, I know some people like that, but I didn't grow up in the South. It's not familiar to me. I'm watching it. It feels like a sociological experiment. Totally. You know, it's like I'm being let in on how some people think and feel. And I feel Which is that, priceless. <laughs> that way with the OC. I yeah. feel like we're as like frustrating and problematic as these women can be. Like as we've seen with the election, there are a lot yeah. of people that uh-huh. think and feel this way. 100%. And I am somewhat curious, I guess. Totally. You know? Totally. No, I think that is such a good point. And I think it goes back to like, yes, this is comfort viewing, but it serves such a bigger, more meaningful purpose. And I think that is probably one of the most important purposes is that, like you said before, like your your dad is surrounded by people who like reflect the values your mom had, right? Like that's yes. his circle. And I think for a lot of us, like, we're we're in our own echo chambers like we're you know in his case he's the outlier but like for the most part like (laughs) we have our communities we have our people we have like even our social media is curated in the way we want it to be and I think this year in particular but this isn't new but I think it we've slowly been realizing like how little we understand about this country and who lives in this country and I mean, I, I think about that a lot. Is like I, I grew up with, you know, very progressive liberal parents and I grew up in San Francisco and it was mm-hmm. a very diverse community and a very diverse group of friends. And it was never a question about like, you know, being accepting it, except like it was just it was just what it was. Like we were all different races, religions, sexualities like that was just always how it was. And I feel very, very privileged and lucky that that's the reality I grew up in. But I think all the time, like if I had been born in Charleston, if I had been born in a different place, if my parents weren't who they are, if, you know, like, I don't know. I I like, I would like to think that I would be the same way I am, but I have no idea. Like, I really don't. And I think when we watch these shows and we see, I I think it's like no one on these shows thinks of themselves as the villain, you know, no one thinks like I'm going to play the racist part. Like that's no one, none of them think they are, none of them think they're bad people. And I think, it again it's it's kind of this fine line of like we don't want to give you know hateful people airtime and promote their you know it's, it's like this, this it's push and tough. Pull. Yeah. yeah because like you you know you don't want to going back to thomas again like you don't want to put these people on television and give them a platform and give them fame but at the same time i think it's important that we recognize and you know learn that the, we can't pretend these people don't exist. Um, and I think I, I've seen a lot of people kind of recently 
you know, post on Facebook when I do go on Facebook of like, okay, I'm just trying to understand if anyone in my Facebook network is voting for Trump. I literally just want to have a conversation with you and understand why. And I think there's a lot of that happening of people just really out of frustration or out of curiosity or out of whatever it is, trying to like connect with people who have completely opposing views so they can just understand and make it make sense. Um, and I think watching these people grapple with their own stuff on these shows is, is one way to do that. Um, but yeah, it's a fine line. It's, I don't know what the answer is. And it's, I mean, what I'm hoping to start seeing on Bravo is less like all white franchises because I don't think it's that interesting. And I don't think that's what most friend groups or cities look like if you're in a city, like a metropolitan area. So like New York is just so diverse, you know, LA is diverse. You know, I want to see that reflected at the same time. I, I don't want women of color to like feel like they're token, totally, you know, like totally. Garcelle, yeah. like having to represent all black women on Beverly Hills. Like yeah. that's not fair right. to her. No, not at all. So, and at the same time, I don't know if I want to see any changes on Potomac or Atlanta, right, you know? So right. it's like, I'm not sure what I want. I just, I know. <laughs> I know. And I, I, I think, and I, I don't think there's any right or wrong answers with this, but it's, you know, it just, as you were saying that it just reminded me of like, you know, Beverly Hills 90210 and like Saved by the Bell and all these shows that were like so close Friends. to my heart growing up. <laughs> Friends, for fuck's sake, like in New York City. No black people. Know, literally, <laughs> no, I mean, Sex in the City, like all these shows that like I, I love, like I love that those are the shows I grew up on. I They're very close to my heart. But in retrospect, looking back, it's like, how did we not I mean, people were criticizing it, I think, from from the early days. But like, though, like, I don't think that would happen now. Like, I don't think a show like any of those shows would get made in that way now. I think there's much more of an effort to, you know, to cast in a way that's diverse. But I think it can be tricky because then I think you can be like, okay, well, they they just want to show that they're being diverse. So, again, I wish I had an answer for how to do this responsibly. And I kind of think it's just going to be time. I think I think our, as a society, we're going to have to start adjusting to the fact that what we're seeing on our TV screens is going to be more representative of real life. And I think that's going to be kind of an awkward adjustment um, because I think there's going to be a lot of mistakes made along the way. I think there's going to be a lot of like clear like tokenizing that we no one wants or and people are going to fight against that. But I think I'm trying to think I saw something recently where I was like, this is such a good example. Like I feel like Netflix and like those kind of like shows on Netflix and movies on Netflix, they've been doing it for a while and they do it well in a way that seems very effortless. But I think when we still like when shows like brought like on Bravo do it, it can still come across like, okay, well, they're just trying to appease their audience, but they're not doing it respectfully or so I don't know. I don't know. I think it's going to take more people behind the scenes. Like, I think that's probably yeah, the starting point, I th- right? I think the starting point is having more producers that are diverse, yeah. having more, yeah. you know, executives that are diverse yeah. so that it's yeah. not coming from a place of, right, right. yeah, it, it's just interesting. But also like something I feel like we've learned through the, the, I mean, we should know this by now, but not all groups are like mono list like what's the word where they're not all the same right like not all black women 
behave or think the same way. Right. Not right. all Hispanic people vote the same way. Right, They're right. very diverse, you know? <laughs> Which people don't know. Like, people yeah. literally don't know this. So it's like, the, the, this is an opportunity for these shows to showcase that. Um, and I hope I hope they start doing it in a responsible way. Because you're right. Um, I think I think that's probably the bigger mis- the biggest mistake in trying to like diversify in a way that's very showy and like look at us we're being diverse is to be diverse in one way and then have like a very like homogenous like viewpoint within that group. So right. yes, I think what you're saying is right is to showcase diversity within diverse groups. <laughs> but right. I think again it's it's taking it's taking some awkward attempts before we start getting it right. So you're new into Potomac. So you started yeah. from the beginning. Yes. I mean, I'm a big beginner, like starting. Um, I, that's how I roll. Like I, I get very uh, anxious starting midway. So I always <laughs> have to start at the beginning. I started below deck med from the beginning. I don't know why. Oh, I, did I don't that, think I've yeah, seen I, that in the beginning. It wasn't yeah, Captain rough. Sandy back then, right? It wasn't. So I'm actually not familiar with Captain Sandy. I started season two, but then I, I, I was like, I have to put this on pause because I need to start Potomac because I. Yeah, I was saying like I was I I love Housewives franchises and I knew everyone kept telling me Potomac is where it's at. Like, that's the one you have to watch that one. And I knew that. But it's like you have to be emotionally ready to like open your heart to a whole new franchise of Housewives. You know, totally. it's a journey. So I just kept putting it off because I'm like, I'm just I don't think I'm ready. And then I dove in and it's been the best. I love them. <laughs> and it feels so quickly like, you know, them particularly oh, Karen God, yeah. and Giselle, like oh, man. that dynamic feels so familiar despite not totally. knowing them and despite not knowing anyone in real life who acts that way. Right. Like, Oh, for sure. It's so familiar. <laughs> and I just <laughs> immediately. Like yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's pieces of their personalities that you can probably like, yeah, you've met people in your life, but yeah, they're incredible. I, I hesitate to like take an official stance on anyone because I'm only I'm in season, I'm in the beginning of season three. So I feel like I have a lot ahead of me. Um, like Candace just got introduced. So I feel okay. like I have a lot, a lot to learn and about these people. But where I'm at right now, I really like Ashley. And I think Ashley gets really like people give her a hard time, but I find her extremely likable. <laughs> I have totally changed how I feel about Ashley. I think really? I, I thought she was problematic, but needed. Like she would stir mm, the pot mm-hmm, in a way mm-hmm. that I thought was totally. so obvious and slightly yeah. annoying. But yeah. now that she's a mom and you're seeing a softer side of her and you're seeing a very loyal side of her, mm. um, it's just, I really like it. I feel like she's finding, and I like seeing her befriend people that she used to not get along with. Right. I, I find that the most fascinating on these shows when like former en- enemies form alliances. Oh, yeah. Like I yeah, love yeah, that, yeah. you know? No, I know. And like, you'll see that in Beverly Hills as you continue to like, and that's kind of the, like when you're a long time viewer, you see these people through so many of them actually do evolve. And that's kind of funny to say, cause I think it'd be easy for people to write off like, okay, these are housewives. It's, again, it's fluff, whatever. But you see like the emotional maturity that happens and, you know, they go through experiences and, and say what you will about Catherine on Southern Charm, problematic as hell. And I'm curious to see what comes of that this season. But when, like I, when I turned it on yesterday, I was like, oh my God, this is season seven. I did not realize that right. I've seen these people through that much. And 
when she started the show to where she is now, my God, like she was a baby. Like they, they, she started filming the show when she was 21 or something like, and now she's a mom of two and clearly still going through a lot in her life. But it's just, it's insane that we are like given this window into people's lives where like you could spend a decade with them. Like Sonia Morgan been with Sonia for how long now? (laughs) Right. And it's so funny the the, the women seem to handle it all differently, right? right so some of right. them watch themselves and are like, I don't like that. I'm going to change yeah. that next season. And right. others right. don't seem to reflect in any way, shape, or form. They double down. They, they double down double like down. a Ramona, you know? Or a um, Sonia just doesn't change much. And and I think there's a comfort in her, you know? Yeah. It's like she is just the ever-present, light, fun. You know, there's a darkness to her, but it's below the surface. And to see some of the women then really change, like Bronwyn watching herself back so drunk. I mean, she said there were scenes that the producers cut that they could have made her look horrible, where she was completely blacked out last season, that they just didn't show. And she feels like she got a really kind edit. Hmm. And... But she saw enough of like herself and then continued yeah. and was like, I need I need to do something about this. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's interesting. Like yeah. it's a mirror for a lot of relationships, I think, when totally. it's like, oh, I don't like the way you talk to me, you know. Yeah. And I think and I think, you know, a lot of us, the gift that they're given that most people aren't is like you get to see your own lived experience through someone else's eyes, through many other people's eyes, like when they watch it back. They're not just seeing it the way their friends saw it or the other people on the show saw it, but like through the eyes of editors and producers and like the way they are, I'm sure that things get changed and manipulated in some ways, but I wonder if that offers perspective in a way that you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't get on your own. So they're kind of given this interesting gift Um, and you're right, like some people kind of run with that. And some people like Stassi double down (laughs) where it's like... Okay, like I'm gonna lean in, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you right now. I went to the Stassi book event that when she went on her book tour. Oh. I'm not proud of this. I went she to came see to her podcast event like a year ago. Yeah, I mean, she had become until all of you know the clear revelations about who she actually is. All of that came out. I think she had leaned into that basic bitch persona in a way that endeared her to a lot of people and. Um, I think she wasn't counting on kind of the, the gross, like dark pieces of that catching up with her. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think she, she, you know, she got this reputation of being like, you know, the bitch and the like, but she was like funny and she was, I, I think she was picking up on how people were responding to her and then leaning into that. And I think it ended up biting her in the ass, um, because, who she really is came out through that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like someone like Jax, I'm not sure how much self-reflection is going on with the person right. like that. Um, I'm trying to think of like an example of someone on Vanderpump who may have, I think Ariana is like, she's like someone who's probably sees how she's represented and actually like takes that in, learns from it, like learns yes. from other people and is open to evolving. She said, um, it, I, like, there was a, a season where she said, like, I'm smarter than everyone else. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. And, and she said mm-hmm. she saw that and it just 
she was like, that's a horrible thing to think, to yeah. say. I don't really feel that way. I was angry, right. but I shouldn't right. say things like that. And I'm going to watch right. myself moving forward. You know, she's spoken that's about awesome. it. With Stasi. what's interesting is that she has started to reflect a little. I think she's got a lot of work to do, and I think it should yeah. be done away from cameras. But yes. she has said that, like, for the most formative years of her life, she was rewarded for bad behavior. Totally, and there totally. is something to be said in your brain, like when you form connections and, you know, pleasure centers and rewards for behaving a certain way, and then all of a sudden it's changed, I think it yeah. can be confusing. Yeah, you no, know? I, I, I do agree with that. And I also think that it's easy to criticize these people and, you know, I think we make the mistake of holding them up as role models a lot of the time because yes. they're public figures. Yeah. Whereas like, you know, if, if I was on Laguna beach or whatever, when I was 16, God knows what I would have said or done or like, you know, like in, in some ways, I, I also think we have to be open and give people the you know opportunity to grow and become better humans it's just again it's it's tough to know where to draw that line like i think totally. i think bravo made the right decision um getting rid of her but i do think it begs the question why is jack still there um so you know i i don't know how those decisions are made but i i do think sometimes like we i, I think like i have two nephews and a niece who are all like you know in high school and lower and my niece is 10 and i'm like she's growing up in she's on display she's on tiktok she's on instagram you know like private but still like everything she's doing she's recording and taking pictures and like we were so lucky that we didn't grow up in that way mm -hmm. and it's you know they're not reality stars but they kind of are like they're kind of documenting their lives in this weird way that none of us ever did and i cringe thinking of like if i had daily footage of myself you know in those years so and I'm very grateful I don't. So I don't know what it's going to look like for kids today growing up to like have everything they've said and done documented. It's weird. I mean, even tweets from 10 years ago, Twitter is yeah, now more than 10 years old. And hell before no. this season started of Potomac, some of Candace's old tweets that were extremely homophobic came oh, to really? light. And, you know, she apologized, but she was one of the women who was like going after Stasi the most. And oh, it just, um, I, I'm not going to draw parallels between homophobia and racism. It's just like, I feel like we need to have some room for people to improve. It doesn't mean yeah. they should be on yeah. our, you know, that we should, they should have a platform and they should make money off of it. Like yeah, that yeah. I understand. No, totally. But right. it's just interesting because Candace really is very judgmental of other people. And I'm excited to watch her, her journey. <laughs> She's someone who's like, you know, we're saying like this election is like a marathon, not a sprint. And yeah. the people who like paced themselves are doing better right now. Candace is someone who's such a fireball. I don't know if she'll last after the season because she just comes in sprinting and just doesn't stop. And yeah. It's like slow down, girl. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You, know? you gotta, you gotta breathe a little yeah. bit. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting that it does seem there are certain personality types who are more like resilient to this stuff. Um, I think I would just be like hit by a truck and out. Like, I don't think I could handle any part of what they're no, doing. But I it is interesting <laughs> that some of them do seem to kind of like 
thrive with it and and to learn and to grow and to be like good people and other people just can't handle it and I don't know if it's like a magnif like magnifying who they actually are or what it is but yeah I, I don't know what kind of personality type is cut out for it but some people seem to seem to do better than others <laughs> are you you said you have trouble letting new people in are you sure. ready for Salt Lake City you know I'm not sure I'm not sure at this point yet I just feel like I feel like I talk big game about being like a big Bravo head and I haven't even seen Jersey. I haven't seen Atlanta. I've never seen OC. So I feel like I'm not, I don't know if I'm equipped to like start with a new franchise, but, and I'm not sure I'm ready for a Salt Lake City franchise, but the, the, the ads have been compelling. I'm not going to lie. Um, when does that one start? That one starts soon, it's right? It's next week. So okay. this coming week, I'm excited because I want to start watching something at the same time as everyone else. Mm-hmm. And from sure, no, one, that's, that's a great point. Okay. Like as that's a community like a watching, experience. Yeah, this okay. group seems diverse. I mean, they seem yeah. diverse, like, you know, religious, like from a religious sense, sure. from a sure. racial sense, an ethnic sense. I mean, they okay. have someone who says she's ethnically Jewish and then she's religiously like Mormon by choice. <laughs> okay. I'd be interested to and hear more. I am uh, like, what, how are they going to show this? You know? I keep seeing, I keep seeing in the ad, there's the girl that says like, she's like, I'm converting to Islam and I'm in Salt Lake City. And she, like, so like, I think there, it could be very interesting and I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. I think it just will. I think I've just gotten into the groove of like, okay, Potomac is my, because I get very immersed where it's like I binge it. So then it becomes like my universe where I start like viewing my own reality through the lens (laughs) of like Potomac. (laughs) And so it'll just be a little jarring to have to, you know, switch gears that way. But I think maybe by the time it premieres, I also like, I kind of like the binge because what I do mm-hmm. is like, I don't, I don't. So now I'm like, I'm living with my boyfriend and we watch, like we watch The Bachelorette together. I'm sure he's going to really appreciate that I'm putting that in a public <laughs> forum, but a lot um, of guys we'll watch, watch it. Together. I mean, it's like, he, he yells, he, he can't handle it. It's just a lot of expletives. Like he just gets so fired up. It's pretty funny, but like, you know, we watch shows together. So I'm not, when I was like single living by myself, it was like, I would watch New York in the morning when I made breakfast, I'd watch it. If like I was at, at like, at lunchtime at home, I'd watch it all night while I like did my nails. And now it's like, you know, my, my times for solo viewing are a little bit more limited. So it's like, I have so many Potomac episodes to catch up on that. It's like, okay, yeah. every day I'm making breakfast and I get like this much time with it. And so it's a nice, like continuous stream. And it, it, that's comforting to me. And when it's like only one episode at a time, I get a little Oh, anxious. <laughs> like, no, where's I, my next hit coming from? I know. I felt like that watching Selling Sunset. I started watching oh Selling Sunset oh, and yeah. it just was oh, yeah. such an easy, quick watch. There wasn't a it's, whole lot happening. Nothing. It, it's the hills. It's, it's amazing. It's shiny. It's so pretty. It's so well lit. Everyone looks immaculate. It's it's like looking at a magazine, but they're moving. It's like, it felt like so the equivalent lame. of my gravity blanket and clonopin. Mm, like, yeah, that that makes sense to me. That makes perfect sense. Like, there is not a pore to be found on any of their faces. Like, everything is just so clean. It was kind of. I'm not even sure to be honest if I finished season three. I I did a binge also. Um, and I got my boyfriend to watch a few of those. And he was just like, these people are terrible. I'm like, I know, that's not the point. Um, 
yeah, it's it that one is like it's a form of reality that makes Real Housewives look super real. It makes it look yeah. like that's like a documentary, like like some kind of like PBS documentary or something. Like it's so overproduced. It's insane. And yeah, it's definitely overproduced and everyone says it's fake, but I'm like, which parts of it are fake? I guess I haven't like watched or read enough about it. I just watched it and was like, wait, so is Mary's relationship with Romaine? Like that's real. Like, Right. They're does married legally. I don't know. <laughs> his, his whole thing. I'm like, is he, does he understand what she's saying? Like, I, like the way they communicate to me is so funny. And the fact that they subtitle him every time he's on is really it's funny the, to me. I noticed that he's, right away. That was my, favorite. Oh my God. It's so funny to me. Like, I'm like, does this man know that he is on television? Like, can someone just explain to me if he knows enough English to understand that that is what's happening to him. But he grew on me because there was a, point where I think he was going off about Davina or something and he yes. had all of these opinions and I was like okay they have portrayed you as someone who like can barely string two sentences together and I think there's a lot more going on here and I think I want to know more about that so justice for Romaine because and I, I always I wonder like with Romaine was he like okay so I'm her boyfriend but she's the star so I should step back I was wondering right. that like is there a reason why especially season one he didn't share a whole lot and then <laughs> And then also, like, are those two guys the the one twins? person? Are that are that, they one person? Is that what but you're like? Say? Are they his only friends? Like when he had the bachelor party, I was like, who else? Like, don't you have friends from growing up in France? Who, or like, like speak your native tongue? Like a friend I, that didn't used English to date time. your wife? Sure, like, that would be great. <laughs> Very strange. I will say, like, now that we're talking about it, and I'm remembering the part that I was kind of impressed by was the re- to me felt like real emotions um with the what's her name Chriselle with mm-hmm. the divorce like I actually was like very moved by how much they showed and how much she was willing to show and I don't know maybe it's maybe that's all bullshit I don't know like I don't know what their relationship was really like or if she was blindsided or if she was lying but like right you know, or if she's playing it for sympathy I have no idea but the way it was portrayed was like actually I, I felt very moved by it. I was very moved by it. Also, she had two parents die within like oh my God. months of each other, both from, from cancer. Horrifying. I mean, she's been through a lot, but she reminds me of like a girl in high school who you're friends with, but you feel right. like you don't really know. Sure, totally. But I don't think that makes her... Doesn't mean she's person. bad. No, no. And I think that's what everyone that's like, I never got a vibe from her that I didn't like her. Or I don't know how they were trying to like position her if she was supposed to be like the unlikable one. I just found her very like, yeah, she's, she's a little surface and she's like very bubbly. And I think people resent that. And I think people are suspicious of that. But I never saw anything like bad about maybe a little bland but no, i never saw I anything just bad about like her there's something she's there's a lot of things she's like not sharing which sure. is totally fine it's yeah, just yeah. i have trouble relating to people that don't For share sure. like basic yeah. thoughts and feelings totally and that's something that comes up a lot i feel like not just on selling sunset but on the housewife shows too of like people being outraged when people aren't honest like that's like been coming tinsley. up on potomac a lot oh yeah and with tinsley yes and i think people I think there's like there is a level of resentment that comes up because people feel like maybe especially because they're on a reality show that they feel like I'm being so vulnerable and putting my entire life here and you're just being like holding yourself at a distance. But it's like I kind of see both sides of it because I'm like that is terrifying to put yourself out there. But at the same time, you signed up for this. So 
Yeah, and there, I do feel like there's a lot of resentment on Potomac about like Karen and like this grand dame like persona she portrays and the women being like, how are we supposed to be your friends? We don't even know who you are. Like you're just like you're a character. So it's interesting. That and, that changes know. a bit. I think. Oh, okay. I think Karen's arc. I think she'll continue to grow on you more than she already has. Okay, we're going to have to... Okay, when I'm caught up, we're going to have to we're do gonna talk like a full-on recap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is interesting. It's something on Vanderpump Rules, too, where they're like, we bleed for this show and you don't show everything. But, <laughs> right. you know, I think some of them were frustrated with Lala not showing her relationship. You know, sure. she got sober off of the show. So by the time she right. started filming again, she had seven months under her belt. It You didn't right. really see a lot yeah. about her sobriety. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And, and so then you've got, you know... Tom and Katie, who you've seen every disgusting, horrible <laughs> fight they've ever had, you oh, know, and funny. then they say that Tom and Ariana aren't as honest, which I just think they don't fight like that. <laughs> yeah, I think their their relationship gives me a different vibe. <laughs> different sure. vibe. I will say I've never, as a side note, I've never met any Bravo celebrities, but I met them by accident once in like the backstage area of a concert when I was reporting on it. And nicest humans i mean i had like a 30 second interaction with them but it was at the time where i was binge watching vanderpump like i because i did the full like whatever however many seasons like i just did them back to back and i turned my head and they were in the press room and i was like am i hallucinating am i okay um nicest people ever and i i so when i see them even though it was like such a limited interaction when i see them on tv i'm like i kind of believe that's who they are like i actually don't think they're playing characters or hamming it up at all um but yeah, I think I think you're probably right in that they don't have as many like warts and stuff to show. Like I think they're probably in a more stable relationship. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean the 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 journeys we've been on um, definitely. <laughs> and then there's another interesting thing, like sort of watching these shows, is there's always a few people who want to keep it real tight. They don't want to let other people in while they're filming. They don't want to let other people in when they're not filming in their group of friends. Vanderpump is probably the best example. But even on Potomac, um, you know, Monique seems to have, she's befriended a lot of bloggers and like other people in the DC area. She seems to be a little bit more open to meeting some of these people. Whereas some of the other cast, I think, is very... um, like they don't trust newcomers sure and sure. i've noticed it on vanderpump with like sheena kind of will befriend anyone who comes near her and yeah. the you know og like she's og but like a stasi or a whoever else they don't trust new people yeah and they yeah don't want, and so that's always an interesting thing that i feel like you see play out in the friend groups yeah. you know totally and like as far as I've made it in Potomac, like that's Giselle where she's like a new person comes in and she's just like, has a Claws. lot of questions, <laughs> out. but she's like so sweet and lo- and like, she's, I really like her. Like, I love her personality. I think she is such a loyal friend from what I've seen. Yeah. Um, and such a, like, you know, they all have their things where they like to stir up shit. But like when she, I feel like when she's your friend, she's your friend. But then when someone new kind of like is, is coming at the group, she has her like guard up for sure. Um, and I wonder if like, I mean, she was kind of like that from, from the beginning, but I wonder if like with the other character, I keep calling them characters, but the other people like Stassi, like I wonder if that was a learned behavior where it's like they got burned because they are I now public so. figures 
And then God knows, like, you know, there's, there's a lot of good that comes with that, I'm sure, and financial benefit, but there's probably a lot of crap that we don't know that they deal with. So, and people trying to like find out things about them and selling stories about them. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Another thing with Southern Charm, I feel like they're not very careful. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> so like, you know, you always hear stories of people who were like, oh, I spent the weekend in Vail and Austin and Craig were there and like we were all doing coke and it was no big deal. Oh <laughs> You're like, yeah, that sounds why right would you do drugs with strangers that Honestly, can sell a story about you? Do you follow Dumois on Instagram? A little. Dude. Oh, my all God. All the stuff about she- this week. I mean, with everything, with everything, I I didn't know about that account until she was on Brian's podcast and I started following and like, I don't know. And like, she's very clear that like, none of this is confirmed. None of like, so for anyone who doesn't allegedly, (laughs) everything's alleged. And it's just like, all it is, is like, every day, there's like 50 new stories of like celebrity encounters, celebrity spottings. And like, who knows how many of them are real, but there's enough uh, consistency between some of the reports that you start to think like, okay, like this sounds like this could be an actual behavior that this, like Jake Gyllenhaal really does creep on people at cycle or stuff like that. Where you're like, <laughs> I don't know. Like you're like a person at that level or any level of being a public figure you would think would be a little bit more discreet. And I guess I have this idea that like, once you reach a certain level, you are, in your mansion and you never leave. Um, and that doesn't seem to be the case. Like, I think people are a little more like free wheeling with their some, lives than we think Some are, are, some aren't, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'll yeah, never forget. This is, and I, maybe I'll take this out of the podcast, but I <laughs> um, had a friend like from high school who ended up, um, had another friend who was friends with Shep. And they yeah, went to, you know, Charleston for like a trip for a few days. And they were at a party with Craig and Shep and Catherine. And this was a couple of years ago. And Catherine was like very visibly drinking and doing mm-hmm. drugs. Right. And I think I posted something about it in a Facebook group, like a Bravo Facebook mm-hmm. group. And people went after me. Like I was oh, no. trying to mess with her custody situation and I was like oh I'm just gonna delete this because like I thought I was just sharing like a funny recollection from a party not a like I'm not trying to mess with her custody like I don't I don't judge Uh, people should that responsibility be on you though (laughs) I know it's also like I thought we're all just gossiping about these people like no one's gonna use this in court (laughs) and at that time there were a lot of Catherine stands you know, sure. and that was one. I just have trouble with some of the stand culture. I think I wasn't a st- okay to be clear. I wasn't a stand because I now I'm like realizing what that term like really insinuates. Like, I didn't have like a Catherine fan account or anything. Like right, that. like I like certain women, but I change yeah. my mind, and I can see yeah. even the ones I don't like. I can see valid points that they make, and sure. I also see sometimes people like transferring this like stand culture from Bravo two political figures when like you really shouldn't do that (laughs) no that's probably not a great policy just just in in general yeah well I also think that's another I mean you're saying like people are doing that with reality shows but I think that what is so interesting about these people and especially when we have like these long-term viewing relationships is that 
there's good and bad in all of them. Like all the women on Potomac, I legitimately like all of them, but I also see that they, they do shitty things and they act in shitty ways. And guess what? Like, so does everyone else. And I think that like, like exploring these storylines through reality shows versus watching like a scripted movie is that you like, there is no clear villain. There is no clear hero. It's like, I think that's kind of changing our perception of like humanity in that way. And I know that sounds like, how could we change humanity through reality shows? But I think it's, you know, the way we used to see stories portrayed was always through scripts and like acting. And now we're seeing it through people who have like, really great parts and really dark parts and they're all in one person and like I know I'm shitty a lot and I like to think I'm also good and I I don't know I I think it's interesting but yeah to be and I was I was I was a fan of Catherine because I think she had had such a you know from what from where she began to whatever point she was at you know where it seemed like she had her stuff together and I think now that's starting to unravel again and we're starting to see that um but that's the wave, right? Like that's like right. the, that's, she's a real person, um, and it's it's kind of going back to the same thing we were saying about the eating disorders. It's like, oh, now she's fixed, and it's like, uh, no, she's a person. And Amelia Gray exactly. might have a relapse, and this person might have, you know. So yeah, I think it's just it's complex, and I find that really interesting. <laughs> that's what I love the most about these shows, honestly. It's being able to see yeah. the characters, um, being able to see them do great being able to see them fail, doing things that upset us, doing things we love. And I don't think they're ever as good or as bad as the fans want us to believe. (laughs) Right. 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 Because I think that's human nature is like, it's we, our brains like things to be simple and clean and like good, bad, evil, you know, hero. And that's just not reality. So I think it's actually a great thing that these reality shows are being true to that. Um, for the most part. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Well, this has been such a fun conversation. I'm so, so fun. glad. Highlight of my week. To- <laughs> oh my God. Too. Highlight of like, it would have been highlight of any week, but this week in particular, I feel like my entire nervous system just like calmed down. So I thank you so much. <laughs> no, this is, just, this was supposed to just be a nice chat about <laughs> pop culture, Bravo, society. I don't know. All these things. things. I just, this is my favorite kind of topic of conversation. No, it's the best. And I think you picked a good hobby to like explore all these interests through. <laughs> I need Great. something that isn't coronavirus and that isn't I mean, the WHO. Like, and that isn't. Why do you think I write articles about Bravo? Like, this is like, I'm like, you think that was just like me being a good reporter? Like, no, that was me being like, okay, how can I make money off of this thing that I'm like already obsessed with? Like, no, we all need to explore our passions (laughs) i always um give like examples though of things like at work that are related to housewives and no one like only a couple people watch like out of the whole group and i think i (laughs) we were having like a post-election virtual happy hour being like so we're just all watching this together how's everyone doing and i was like did anyone see any other stories happen on tuesday and then this one guy was like mandy i know where you're going with this and i was like well one of the housewives who is a brilliant mm-hmm. pr person decided to divorce her husband on election Dude. day oh my god we don't even have time to get into that we don't and have time the entire psychology but of how that went down my brilliant. sister brilliant oh my god like genius my sister texted me she's like did you see the erica jane news and i was like what that she's like off the show and she's like 
she just wrote divorce period and I like I think my jaw actually dropped like I was like (laughs) I had like a visceral reaction I was like holy shit like we don't have time for this right now Erica Jane but I think that was the point um yeah brilliant brilliant okay I'll wait till my dog stops and then I'll (laughs) she's she's like um I need attention now it's just the, she doesn't like the neighbor dog. And when the neighbor dog goes on a walk, this is this is how Stassi she is. She barks at the door. And then when the neighbor dog goes in the elevator, she then goes up to the um, the couch so where she can see out to the front door of the building, watches oh. the dog walk out the front door, barks from there, and waits oh till it God. gets back from its walk, and then goes directly to the front door to sniff, knows when it's walking by to bark again. To like really show she's like I don't like you and I need you to know like I kind of respect that like I think that's Such actually a pretty cool move. I kind this of relate dog. to the things you're telling me about it's your like, talk. Such a bit. She's also like it, she's just so funny. She does what she wants when she feels like it. She's kind of cat like. We should all be that way, frankly. I kind of wish yeah. it was more that way. She's living her best <laughs> life. Well, Michelle, tell everyone where they can find you both on social media and your website. Yeah. Um, so my last name, because it's so long, it's 15 letters. So I try to spare people. I just do Michelle K media kind of across the board. So it's Michelle with two L's, uh, K M E D I A. And I'm, I'm Michelle K media on Twitter and Instagram. And then my website is Michelle com. And I just, yeah, I write about health and body image and all that stuff, but I also will take pretty much any writing job that comes my way. Uh, So I'm very into entertainment and pop culture, obviously, and uh, all kinds of fun topics. So I I do a lot of random stuff. So if you follow me, you will learn a lot of weird facts. And listeners, (laughs) if you have an idea that you think Michelle should take and pitch, or if you have any connections (laughs) with editors, you should totally reach out to her. She is awesome. Oh my God, I love you. No, for You're real. Amazing. Thank you. <laughs> You're a great writer on so many Thank different topics. So Thank you. Well, I have my resume and my clips ready to go. So just hit me up uh, and I can send those your way. Awesome. Thank you. Thank so you nice. so much for being on. Thank and you. we will definitely have to get together soon, especially when you finish Potomac. A hundred percent. I'm going to need to decompress. Thanks so much. <laughs> This is your new home speaking. I know you haven't moved in yet, but I need some favors. Could you dust the blinds? The dust makes me feel dusty. Also, we could save a lot of money if you bundled your home and car insurance with GEICO. It's super easy to do online or over the phone. Last favor, when you move in, could you stick to one aesthetic? The last owner had a weird mix of floral wallpaper and nautical tchotchkes, and I can't have another identity crisis. GEICO. For bundling made easy, go to GEICO.com today. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? 
I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxwain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.